With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to MVP. We are Sports Illustrated Charlotte Wilder and Jessica Smetana. And this is the most valuable podcast. Bonus episode. Woo! We are we're sitting at Radio <laughs> Row at the Super Bowl. It's Friday. This place is pretty packed now. Yeah, there's you just kind of look up and you see like, oh, there's Jalen Smith. Oh, there's Travis Kelsey. Oh, Rob Ryan. Yeah. We saw Rob Ryan. So we we met Rob Ryan last night, you guys. And uh I'd had, I'm going to be honest, I'd had a few drinks, so just, like, strolled right up to him. Charlotte's like, I got to say something, and I'm like, you have my blessing. Yeah, and so we uh, we went and we took a selfie with Rob Ryan, new defensive coordinator for the Washington football team. assistant defensive coordinator. New assistant defensive coordinator. I don't know, what he, he is a new Can job. we talk about what he was wearing, though? I, we would be, it would be a sin not to. It would be remiss <laughs> not to. His jacket, he was wearing a blazer that was, like, down to his knees that looked like a blazer version of the sweater that the dude wears in the Big Lebowski. Yeah, it was perfect. It was this really loud pattern, white and black. It was pretty awesome, and his hair was flowing. He already looks like the Big Lebowski. Right, so, so it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, we're big we're big Ryan Bro fans. Right? I mean, we just like the Buddy Ryan coaching tree and right. sun tree. <laughs> well, you already know we love Jeff Fisher. If you're listening to this, <laughs> surprise, we like Jeff Fisher. We uh, we asked Rob about Jeff, and Rob was like, oh, yeah, one time he gave uh, me and Rex tickets to a Jimmy Buffett concert. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty <laughs> on-the-nose story, uh, if you ask me. So, I mean, just imagine the Ryan brothers like sitting there in their Hawaiian shirts at a Jimmy Buffett concert. In the front row. Yeah. So this week we've had a couple of cool interviews for mm-hmm. next week's episode, but we wanted to do a little bonus episode with some of the cool sports writers that we've talked to. So we talked to Peter King, we talked to Harry Lyles, and we wanted to just put put everything together and give you guys some bonus content before yeah. the big game. Yeah, well, we, we had a really interesting conversation with... Um, Peter on Monday or Tuesday and he obviously worked at Sports Illustrated forever he's at NBC now he founded the MMQB and we were going to do just sort of like a few different interviews and put them together next week and then this conversation ended up being like 35 minutes about the state of sports media and it was super interesting yeah it was a great conversation and Peter was so generous with his time and there was no point in trying to make him stop talking so right. we we're like all right let's just keep going we got a whole another episode here yeah with all the, and with then all the other people we've talked to and then we caught up with um harry lyles one of our best friends and he's at sb nation wrote an amazing story about um how the ray lewis at the last time the super bowl was in atlanta the, changed the, the murder that yeah. ray lewis was involved in yeah how that i didn't changed. say he committed it no 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 you were very measured very measured um <laughs> But it, how the, how that changed the nightlife in Buckhead? Um, is there anything else we got to tell the people about Atlanta in the meantime? I mean, it's been a pretty great week, Charlotte. It's been a, like so much fun. It's been really fun. We've gotten a lot of work done. Uh huh. Tons of work. We shot two videos for the Wilder Project that are going to be coming out in the spring. We spent some time with the Atlanta United. 
um, of one of their fan groups. Yeah. We spent time at their facility. We also went to a Porsche uh, experience center yesterday and got to ride Porsches it was... with football players. So all of that's coming to you soon. But for the, for this podcast, we just have some fun, cool, nice interviews, yep. some bonus content. So yep. we hope you like it. Yeah, enjoy. Here's Peter King. We are here with the one and only Peter King. Um, now, Peter, on our on our podcast, we do some segments, um, yeah. and one of the segments we have is called underrated. Yeah. And Jess, what was the first thing we said? Was I underrated? think the most valuable podcast is underrated. Oh, thank you. Yes, we agree. Charlotte yeah. and Jess. Thank yes. you. We gotta get we gotta get more rated. Yes, yeah. you do. You have to get more rated. <laughs> well, having you on will probably help. Yes. Last last time we spoke, we said that provolone cheese is underrated. Do you have yeah. any thoughts on provolone? I detest provolone. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. Really? It's, it's horrible cheese. There are only two good cheeses. Okay. Oh, That's a Peter, hot take. This okay. is wild. Okay. There's only two good cheeses. No, this is wilder. Yeah. There's only two good <laughs> cheeses. Okay. Okay. I like all aspects of Colby cheese. Okay. Okay. Oh. And I you went and to I, Colby I went to Colby College. And I, my daughter had a softball recruiting visit to Colby. Oh. Really. And you know what I always remember about Colby? What, Peter? Incredible dining room. Yes. Oh. The oh, yeah. The food at Colby was ridiculous. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Jess, I actually... something nice about Notre Dame now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about Notre Dame football in every podcast. We never talk about Colby. No, Colby, the thing that, the thing that I haven't told you, Jess, about Colby is yes. anytime I've talked about it, Peter, you are right. The dining hall is some of it's like rated consistently some of the best. How food. did how did students at Colby not get tremendously blimp like? We I mean I was <laughs> my, my senior year wasn't my best look I will say that I used to I mean I was thinking about how I used to eat in college and I would have like a full meal and then for dessert I would have a peanut butter and fluff sandwich. Oh my that's god! Super nutritious. That's, that's so a, much food. That's a lot Tom of Brady calories. would have a heart attack yeah, he if he heard you talk about he that. He would. Yeah. Um, but the okay, reason. Okay, but okay, cheese. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. cheese. Colby. Uh, Colby. Colby cheese and a really good block of Parmesan. Whoa. Oh. Okay, a really good, a really good chunk off that. Okay. Okay. I would like. That's you, my cheese. Do you cook a lot? My wife is the best cook on the planet. Is she? Because because Parmesan from my cooking magazine days. Parmesan. Parmesan. It gives um. It's an umami flavor. So if you oh. put like a rind of Parmesan in a stew, it can give it a meatier flavor without having to use. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. I contain multitudes. I do oh, like Parm. There's not a cheese that I've met that I haven't liked. See, though. that's what the about thing. you know what I, you know what angers me about the United States right now. <laughs> what? When you what go specifically <laughs> angers you about the United States right in a non-Washington bit. Of anger. Yes. Okay. The biggest thing that angers me is what happens when you order a salad in a restaurant. It is assumed that you want some crapola cheese mm. on top uh, of it. Either that's true. either feta, you know, or or some or some something shaved there. All I want is vegetables wow. on my salad. That's it. Wow. I don't want cranberries. I don't want okay. cheese. I, I don't am want with you meat. on the cranberries. Yeah, you don't I like don't cranberries. Want meat. No. Well, you know why they put cranberries in? It, it it fills it up. It oh, takes up space. Cheap and volume. the sugar space. fills you. Yeah. It, yeah, it's true. Simple carbohydrates. Um, well, Peter, the reason we brought up underrated and then had this incredible discussion about cheese is because we were yeah. wondering. You know, you are you have been doing this. You are. Yeah. What was the first Super Bowl you covered? Yeah. What was it? 
the one, I forget the number, but in 1980, January of 85, when Marino played Montana in oh, Palo Alto, oh, California. That's amazing. So yeah. well, That we was were, prehistoric days. That was pre your lives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's a question. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Here's the question. Yeah. Were your parents even married then? No, mine got married mine in 86. My, oh, no, mine weren't. Whoa, mine got married in 87. Wow. That's, that's wild. But they were engaged. Mine didn't. Mine had just met. Wow. Yeah, but what, like having done this, being such an expert, you know what you're talking about. What do you think is the most underrated moment of the Super Bowl week or like that you have seen happen that you don't think gets talked about a lot at these events? The actual football practices. The okay. best fun I've oh. had in Super Bowl weeks because I'm not, I don't go to Super Bowls to put a lampshade on my head and... <laughs> be that guy who wants the jalapeno poppers uh, on the dance floor, whatever commercial that is. It's pretty good. I'm not sure if I'm I know. Oh, what is that? That I guy, know. that guy, who, it might be Geico, I forget. But but anyway, oh, he saved money on his car insurance. Ah. So he was able to go out to a bar oh. and he goes and he's asking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, I think I actually, it, it jogs, it jogs my memory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so the reason why I say football practice is because nine times this, you know, this in the last 20 years, the first time I did it was when the Patriots played the Rams. Okay. There's this thing during the week called pool reporting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jenny Varentis is doing it this week. Um, Friend of the pod. uh, Friend of the pod. Lindsay Lindsay Jones is doing it this week. And what it is is one member of the Pro Football Writers Association gets to go and watch practice. Oh, how cool. Okay? And you get to actually see what goes on at practice and how teams are looking and all that. And you write up a report every day. Uh The reason I always love to do it is that I always love to say, uh, okay, I'm going to put everything in the pool report, but I might be looking for a few things for little clues of what to write about in Sports Illustrated or in my column on Monday afterwards. For instance, for Mm -hmm. instance, Miami is playing, uh, I'm sorry, uh, in Miami, uh, the Indianapolis Colts played Chicago, whatever year that was, 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so when they played that game that week, I was the pool reporter covering the Indianapolis Colts. So on Friday, it's a short practice, Mm -hmm. and afterwards, Peyton Manning, about five equipment guys, and a couple of trainers, and even two security guys, one in uniform, go out on the field, and they start taking the footballs and throwing them at the ground. Really? And scuffing them up and getting them all worked in. Yes, go to Plategate part one. And and so there were 128 footballs. And Peyton Manning, they did this for about 45 minutes. I watched it all. And then at the end of that period, Manning inspected every football. They handed him one, he went like this, he goes, "Ah, I don't want it, don't like it. And so the ones that he used, I think there were 28 footballs that were going to be used in the Super Bowl when the Colts offense was on the field. And they would have used more if they had to have them. Mm-hmm. But these 28 footballs were the ones that he wanted to use. And after the game, I waited until everybody was around him and I said, I want to ask you about that. Whoa. And he talked about give an assist to such and such an equipment guy, this trainer, this security guy. Because Peyton knew how to give thanks 
cool. to the guys in his universe, in his orbit. The, yeah. And if and if I wrote about them, you know, their friends would say, "Oh my God, Peyton mentioned you after the game. It's yeah, cool and yeah. everything." But he meant it. He was serious. And so that I wrote about how anal Peyton Manning was <laughs> and is. Yeah. And how he spent about an hour and 15 minutes. The buses left. And wow. he had to get a ride back to his hotel because he was working on getting the footballs so just did, right. Is that legal? Did Rex Grossman get to do this? Yes. You got all the foot. You could do whatever you want, but most players don't do that. Ah, but well, that's why Rex Grossman that. never won a Super Bowl. Because <laughs> <laughs> the wax was still on the footballs. Yeah. But the reason why but that was a little bit of a factor in that game, if you remember that Super Bowl. It was Bowl, raining, wasn't it? It was raining yeah. the whole day, so the balls would be slippery. If you just wow. get a football out of the bag, out of the box, uh-huh. it's going to have that sheen yeah, on right. it, okay? It doesn't have the grip of, yeah, the, of yeah. being the and friction. That's, yeah. When you're throwing a football at the ground, you're trying to get that sheen off it to make it feel yeah. like it's broken in. It's like if you had a baseball glove and you took it right off the uh, uh-huh. uh, off the shelf at a sporting goods right. store. You can't use that in a game. So, it's stiff as a board. But is that, I, I mean, forgive me my ignorance it's on legal. this. But so Very can, legal. Can you, you, can, you can get the balls the way you want them yes. as long as you don't deflate them Correct. ostensibly. Correct. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously in the last five, four or five years, there's been an incredible amount of attention paid to that uh-huh okay and quite honestly i think rightfully so you should do everything on the up and up but players for years actually since brady and manning went to the nfl uh-huh. either in 2005 or 2006 and basically said to them you've got to do something about the football yeah and they got 19 quarterbacks in the nfl to sign a petition Oh. They got Roethlisberger, oh. they got Philip Rivers, they got Eli, okay. they got all the veteran, they got Jake Delhomme, they got all the veteran quarterbacks to sign this petition that says, let us break in the footballs during the week before the game. And it started, they started to be able to do that in, I forget, 2005 or six. That well, is really it makes cool. sense because 2005 was when Ben Roethlisberger had the worst statistical quarterback performance in a Super in a Bowl. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. uh, the ball so sure Jess, like Jess is a Steelers fan. So. Although Ranton, Anton Randall was able to throw a touchdown pass, so maybe it wasn't the balls. Maybe it was <laughs> How about Anton Randall? He's back in the NFL now. Is he? He what? was uh, going to be on Bruce Arians' coaching staff what? in Tampa. <gasps> oh, I love I this. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's well, he, they, Wasn't they, it so cool when Antoine Randall in the Super Bowl, he and Heinz Ward? Yes. It, it, oh, they, yeah. That was such an interesting team. That Steeler really, team. Because yeah. they didn't need Ben Roethlisberger no. to be great. They had a great defense. <laughs> the defense, Lamar fact, Woodley, Lamar James <laughs> Ferrier, James yeah. Harrison, yeah. those linebackers. Are you oh, from James Pittsburgh? Harrison. My mom is. So I, I grew up in Chicago, but my whole family is a bunch of Steelers fans. So Yeah. My wife grew up in Pittsburgh. And so oh, now, I didn't know that. When my first, okay, so my daughter, Laura, who lives in San Francisco, uh-huh. uh, her first child. Oh, we read child, the columns, Peter. Her first, <laughs> we know. her first child was born two years ago, and at the official photograph that the nurse came in with oh, the no. whole family around. <laughs> Laura is wearing a, a, a Steelers beanie. Oh, that's, yeah. so, that's, that's going to be Jess. Towel. That's going to be Jess yeah. one day. Oh, oh, Freddie has a terrible towel. I, lo- I have yeah. Freddie. Yeah. I have yeah. many. I love it. Yeah. All uh, right. That's great. Well, well Peter, thank you. Wait, can't we talk some more? Oh, yeah. We could talk as we long as, as you want. I thought you had to be somewhere. No. no. Oh, we I got what ta- We have until... We have another. We have another while. We can just we go can keep forever. Going. Good. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Um, okay. So practice is underrated. Yeah, practice is what is we've really, decided. Everything which is else really, is, that's a very cool, everything yeah. else is totally over. Well, seeing practice because 
you come here and you say, this isn't about football, it's about ridiculousness. Right. You know, like at media night, I'm sorry, I'm a 61-year-old man, get off my lawn. And last night, I was trying to hear Wade Phillips. Okay. Oh, love okay? Wade oh, Phillips. I was too. trying to hear, and I, Wade and I was right next to Wade Phillips. Was it just on the floor? Yeah, on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't and he so, get a riser? And so, I know, I would give Wade you know a what, riser. You know what happened? Scott Hansen is like doing narration. Yes. Do you of know the what thing. that reminded me of? And there's music going on. Yes. Yes. I'm standing next to Wade Phillips. I feel like I'm in the Superdome and I'm Jared Goff and yeah. I'm trying to be heard. <laughs> yes. Honestly, though, it reminded me when they had Scott, you know, his voice is booming out over the arena. You have music his, with bass. And you have his with image bass. on all these TVs. It reminded me of the Hunger Games. Yes. Where, like, yes. These, these evil overlords are, not that Scott Hansen's evil. I mean, he's a perfectly nice guy, but, like, they're just, well, like, blasted down on. Right. Yes. Like, it, and we're, like, the little people I, in the it ring, felt like, dystopian. Fighting yeah. fighting with each other to get yeah. Brady. I also felt kind of like, whenever I go to media night, I feel like an extra in a movie. Yes. Where, like, we're the props. show is for the fan. Right. Yeah. You know, like, reporters. But how, like, let me ask you this yeah. question. So they said last night, whatever, like 10 or 12,000 people. I don't think there were that many there. It strikes me as sort of a Trumpian inauguration number. But, but I'm not yeah. So I'm not sure how many there were there, but imagine. Hey, honey, let's buy these tickets for $25 to sit in the stands and watch people be interviewed. Only a few of which we can actually hear yeah, because right. they play it out in the arena. Watch the worst interviews of all time <laughs> where people say nothing right. because they know they're on national TV and they don't want to say anything. Right. Right. They don't want to kill Roby Coleman mm-hmm. the, 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 the moment totally. and get somebody mad at him. Right. So I, I, I just... And no, again, look, totally. you wrote about it, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think... And look, I realize what the NFL is doing. I'm not mad at it. It's just totally, not totally, it's mostly fruitless for the people who actually have to do totally. a job. Because let's say, last night I was recording my podcast mm-hmm. there. And I got, before it started, I got Les Snead, the general manager of the Rams, yep. in the tunnel before. So no noise around him. How in the world could you stick a microphone in someone's face unless you have the most incredible muffling ability of a microphone where nothing can be heard? How would you get any decent sound quality? It's like you go into a locker room after a game a lot of times and and they're playing music incredibly loud at 90 decibels and you're trying to interview somebody like either on camera or whatever. It's just, it's bad. It's just not good. And so that's why I think Look, the league is getting what it wants. It's getting clowns to come to these things and to do like funny like things. I had to, and like, to make I, jokes. But it's you become okay. a clown. But it's okay. It's right. I, if, if it's, but it's not. It's just. It's not really professional. It's all. It just. Yeah, really I mean, having the fans come, I think, is what makes it weird. Because if it was just a media setting, I think there's a, a way, like a civilized way, to do it where everyone gets a chance to like actually get what they want from the players. But yeah. when you add all the fans and then Scott Hansen and like the whole video side of it, it turns into a weird yeah. performance. I mean, yeah. to me, what what I wrote about is, like, I, I don't mind it because it just is what it is. Like, it it is indicative of what the NFL has become, which is commercializing absolutely everything they yeah. can and, like, trying to reach international markets and, you know, putting on a show. And, like, that's fine. It, like, sometimes I do think that, like, what I like about Media Night is there's an element of fun to it. Like, I can yeah. ask Sean McVay sarcastically 
how old he is, and that's the only place that that wouldn't get me kicked out of. Her. Like that's you can make jokes in a way because it's no one expects point. anything else. Point. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? true. Yeah. Well, yeah. but there are still reporters who will like the the thing that is not as organized is like so you so you go up to Bill Belichick, first person at his podium, ask him like. Bill, how has your family helped you prepare for the Super Bowl? Right. And then an hour later, another person goes up and asks him the same question, and he's like, "I yeah, already answered this question well, eight times." He got mad when we were <laughs> we were standing near him, and he someone was like, "How do you prepare for this Rams defense?" And he said, "I'm not answering that because I've answered it eight times." <laughs> and then and he's like, "You can see like every fiber yes. of his being is like trying not to get up from the chair, but." Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just I don't know. It's such a. It's so weird. It's I don't a know. weird setting for it is for Bill. Weird. He, he <laughs> kind of it, likes. It. What setting isn't weird for Bill other than a sideline, honestly? <laughs> but well, uh, to me, the boat to I, Nantucket. I think I think Belichick. The interesting thing about Belichick is that, I mean, think about this. He always isn't he kind of always the same. Yes. He's always, so Chris Sims worked. For Belichick for a year, he was the offensive assistant. You know, did a lot of film study, prepared stuff for Josh McDaniels. Yeah. But and so I asked him, I don't know, a year or so ago, I asked him, how long do you think Belichick will coach? And he goes, limitless. Really? Or, or something like that. And I said, why? And he me. goes, he goes, because we could have a coaching staff meeting on May 12th, and the guy who you see. In terms of his attitude, his demeanor, everything is the exact same guy who's on the sidelines in the last minute of the Seattle game having to make this monstrous decision that's going to win or lose the Super Bowl. Right. He's done it for so long. It's just his life. This is what he does. Yeah. So his, Chris's point was there's no stress. He doesn't have any stress. Yeah, that's in actually his life. a really good point. And and so huh. and so I wouldn't I, know what that's like. I have, well, at <laughs> some you, point, at some but I'll tell you this, at some point when you're 61 years old, the stuff that you stress about now. Yeah. Like like and and with about the media business right now, you know, one of the great things that I've gotten even when I was at SI and late and we were constantly getting hit with you got to get traffic, you got to get traffic. Yep. Clicks, clicks, clicks. Yep. Um you know, I just simply don't care. I don't worry. And all I say is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write this column. And if you like it, let's go. We'll keep doing it. And if you don't like it, I'll go be a barista in Starbucks. <laughs> and, and that's okay with me because that's I've had the greatest yeah. life. I've had the greatest run. I've had the greatest life. Everything I see. like so that. The difference between sort of you know, when you're trying to make it or when you're sort of still proving yourself versus yes. feeling like... Even though, you know, even though Charlotte, I will tell you this, yeah. that so last week, uh, I'm thinking, I got to write a great column for Monday in Super Bowl week because it's all I'm doing this week right. other than my podcast. And I, so, it's a, so I got to think, I got to think. And so I said, hey, last year, I rode to work with Doug Peterson. That's so we cool. met at a Wawa in Morristown, That's New like Jersey. Perfect. And we and I rode to work with him. And you know the greatest thing about that was what? Doug Peterson, he meets me at the Wawa and he says, I gotta get some gas. So he gets out of the car, he said he talks to the guy, whatever, gets back in the car. Now, at the time, just think, the Eagles are the biggest story in Philadelphia, and it's not even close. It, I mean, you know, the Eagles, Philly went crazy. 
And the guy pumping his gas had no idea who Doug Peterson. He didn't have a hat on. I he love, wasn't well, trying was to hide he not himself. wearing his, his visor? That's no, probably no, why. Yeah, he didn't yeah, recognize probably, it without the visor. Probably. But, but I'm just thinking to myself, okay, I got to do something good. I gotta, so I got this idea. Uh, not to be a one-trick pony, but I'm, I'm going to try to ride to work with Sean McGuire. And so I got this idea, I and it. I arranged it. You know, I texted him back and forth. and said, yeah, I'll do it, blah, blah, blah. So do you think at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday when, uh, when I'm going to the Super Bowl at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday, mm-hmm. do you think 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday it's a really great discussion to have with your wife and you say, hey, um, I know I'm leaving for eight days on Sunday, uh-huh. uh, but I'm also going to be gone for the next 31 hours. I'm going to Los Angeles and I'm going to ride in a car with a coach for 25 minutes, and then I'm yeah. going to go to the airport and come home. Um, I mean, there are some times when wives think that you're the craziest person <laughs> in the world. That was on the top 10 list. Was it? But honestly, well, you also had to get up at 4 a.m. Right? Well, I, you know, I got up at 2:30. And okay. Well, that's the craziest. The that's, yeah, that's to me, that's I'm like, mentioning. all right, Peter. Yeah. But, but but all I can I say here's the here's the bed. thing. Here's the thing. I I don't really obsess about it anymore, but. I still get this thought in my mind that I'm going to write the best column of Super Bowl. I love it. That And I tried. Maybe it isn't. But that's my best effort right there. And if you can beat it, you're pretty damn good. Well, I think my feeling is that kind of drive and that kind of ambition, I think that a lot of people... I think there's a possibility of getting complacent as you know once you have a certain amount of success and you've been doing this for long enough you're like okay well because I am who I am you know whatever right, I do if I write is going to be great. bad or I coach a bad game right. I get a pass because I've won but it's that you know. drive of you know taking the 31 hour trip for 25 minutes that'll give you the best thing that ke- it's that fire that's still because it's all about it's all about what you produce and you're only as good yeah. as the last thing you did. Yes. In yeah. my opinion. I, I totally well, Belichick's not worth anything. He lost the Super Bowl. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Do not. <laughs> Tom Do Brady, not. what have you won lately? Yeah, what have you done lately? Nick <laughs> yeah. Foles is my quarterback. <laughs> yeah, Damn hey, it, you, hey you, beat, you beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City head-to-head. Yeah, so what? Yeah, Win right? a Super Bowl, buddy. Come on. Yeah, come back to me when you've got six rigs. <laughs> Steelers have six. I know. Just saying. I know. You're going to be upset if the Pats do this. I know. That, that was the one silver lining for me last year was that I could still brag about the Steelers having the most Super Bowl. It's wins. true. Hey, I want to ask you a question about the business to you guys. Yes. Because I'm curious about it. The business obviously is changing a lot. So, like, what – this is going to sound totally stupidly naive, but no. I'm serious. What do young people want to read? What do they want to experience? How do they want their sports? Yeah. Well, I think I've actually been thinking about this a lot. Um, I'm, I think something, and I was just saying this to Jess the other day that um, I never, I, when I started out in this business, you know, I guess like eight years ago now, seven years ago now, I, I didn't think I would know as much about the business side or, or know as much about the inner workings yes. of it. I was like, I want to be a writer. And now I'm like, whoa, you need to be aware of the shifts yeah. in the industry. And to me, what, and I, Jess and I talked about this a lot too. I, like obviously you tell me if this is right or not, but right. I think that authenticity and um, being consistent as to who you are and what you're putting out there, people respond really, really well to that. And people now online especially can can sniff out when you're when it's an act. And they want totally. you to be yourself and, and also just like show people something they haven't seen before, haven't thought about. I think that's totally what 
I mean, at least my generation, I feel like growing up with like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everything, people my age respond more to a person's personality than maybe even how good the work they produce is. So like, if I like Peter King, I'm going to read Peter King. If I don't like Peter King, I might not read it every week. And I, I mean, you're obviously like grandfathered in, so I, everyone's going to read Peter <laughs> King. But for Charlotte or I, like, you know, I think people maybe listen to our podcast because they think we're, they like us or they think we're funny and not necessarily because it's the, like, the greatest podcast in the world it is i mean it is but right but i think that's more more of where it's where things are now and where you find an audience because as platforms shift and you know there's there's layoffs in digital media news every single week now i think if you have an audience they'll follow you no matter where your your work is if it's on you know if it's on your column on nbc or sports illustrated or if it's something you're posting to instagram or a podcast i agree so people like people in my generation know where to find it you just they have to actually give a shit about you and, to find it. And I think that there's a consistency to it also. Like, you know, you need to keep showing up and, and build this um, trust with your audience. And I, I think it is very much more direct to your to the people reading, listening, watching than it is like, hey, this is the outlet I'm with. And those will give you a boost, obviously. But um, yeah. I, I What do, do you think yeah. is more important now, Twitter or Instagram? Instagram, yeah. I think. There's way more Instagram users than Twitter users. But Instagram is not the great greatest for publishers. Like, there's not a, a... On Twitter, you can click on a link, and it will take you to a website. On Instagram, you can't do that still. I think Twitter is important in um, developing a personality in a way... I mean, it's interesting. Like, when I started, I think Twitter was... I mean, Instagram was around... Didn't start until after Twitter, but, I, you know, journalistically that became the thing that I was like, oh, okay, I need to focus on Twitter. And now I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta build yeah. up this Instagram following. I think they're both important, but I think you can reach more people on Instagram. I don't know, what do you find? Like, how is, what's your social well, media experience? Well, you know, I, well, I probably spend three times as much on Twitter as Instagram because Twitter to me is like a news service. Yeah, I follow exactly. yeah. people for every team just to yeah. find out what's going on with that team. Right. But I also, like, I had no idea you were doing this Jeff Fisher story yeah. until I saw it. You know, you tweeted it out. Right. And then SI tweeted it out. And I thought, now that is really, really a smart story. Thank you. So, well, it was. Yeah. I thought, hey, by the way, yeah. what, what do you think Jeff Fisher is thinking right now? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's well. funny. So, Jess and I spent a lot of time with him. Um, you know, I was there for two days and then Jess came down um, to produce the shoot for my show and he is incredibly good at um, being measured and you know he's a really really kind person so he kept saying like I don't hold it against the Rams like I wish them success but I do think there's a part of him that's like you know I did build this team like I I, a lot of the guys that are succeeding with right now are the guys that I saw promise in yeah, so. I don't think you'd ever hear him say it, but I think he probably isn't thrilled that Sean McVay has been as successful as quickly as he has been. But well, I, I don't I think don't, it's that he's not happy he hasn't been successful. I think that he doesn't think it's fair that people yes, are giving exactly. him the credit. Exactly. That's what I meant. Without, yes. Right, yeah. and don't you also feel, and I got this from reading the story and just from what you think about human nature. Look... We all want to be valued in our jobs. Yes, definitely. And, and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think particularly he chafes at 
man, you guys were going to wreck uh, Jared though. Yes, yes. You know, he chafes at that well, in a also big way. Because he cares so much about Jared. Like, yeah. as a person, he he loves Jared, and he saw in Jared a quality that, you know, it was really interesting talking him to, to him about choosing Goff over Wentz as the number one pick in 2016 because he was saying, like, I think they were both incredible guys, like really great character, really great at football, obviously, but Goff had this quality where if he messed up, he was going to let that roll off his back. He wasn't going to get as hung up. And he also said, you know, I thought Jared was going to be less prone to injury. And what's a little weird is if you look at what's happened in the last few years, like some of that stuff has kind of checked out. Yeah. Here's the thing, like Jared Goff, when Jeff Fisher got fired, Mm -hmm. um, not that he was going to be any part of the decision-making process, but the front office basically kept him abreast of, yeah. what, of really? what was happening in the process. And Okay, so here's who we're talking to and everything like that. And they wanted to be sure that, okay, we're not going into the Cleveland Browns era. <laughs> we're not going to go 1-15. Yeah, right. we're, we're, we're going to turn this around. And Goff said to him, he goes, hey, I just feel like this is Cal early on, like when I was 1-11. Yeah, wow. That's the kind of team we have. And we, we can fix it. We've got some talent here. And so even though I'm, I feel fairly sure that, that Goff will, you know, would, would uh, likes Jeff and, and is, is indebted to him somewhat for going out on a limb and drafting him and everything like that, there's no question in my mind that he thought that it was time for a change. Totally. You and, know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think even Jeff sort of, I mean, he understands. He was like 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. That's not good enough. I know yeah. that. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't I think like the to reason, Don't you think the reason why he's probably a, a little bit bitter to this day is that this was a nutty, nutty year. They had moved to Los Angeles. He had gone six consecutive months without sleeping in a bed that yeah. he called his own. He's living in a hotel. Yeah. The whole team is living, you know, as nomads. Right. And he thought that he was going to get the benefit of the doubt, the mulligan for that year. Yeah. yeah. And I think he felt like he was backdoored by the organization. I totally, I could yeah. definitely empathize with that. From a lot of what he told Charlotte and I, and mostly Charlotte, when she wrote about, no, you, was, you were there. was how, how difficult it is to move a team. And he had to do it twice. And how, you know, when you're the head coach, people come to you with all their problems when you're moving. Yeah. And that was something that he had to deal with that no other head coaches had to deal with that year. So I kind of, and I, I honestly was surprised in 2016 when he did get fired because I thought, wow, like, I thought he was going to get a mulligan too. That's yeah. a, moving from St. Louis to L.A. is kind of, and like, they didn't even have the stadium done and everything. Like, it was there was one quote he said that really stuck with me, which was he said the single worst thing you can have for winning is distractions, and when you're moving a team, everything is a distraction. Yeah, I mean that's Bill Belichick's uh, entire totally. like, mantra. And he and no distractions. And I get it. I mean, I think too that there were probably, I think the the move affected some things in ways that people might not have thought. He was like Jeff was like, you know, I tried to hire. We interviewed five different offensive coordinators um, after they lost. Schottenheimer, I think it, I think that's what the timing was, and and no one would take the job because they knew the team was moving. Yeah, he was like, we the guys didn't want to deal with it. So if you can't get the best people, even if you're trying to get the best people, or if you're not getting rid of the best people because you can't get rid of the best people because you can't get the new ones, like right. you know, there's a snowball effect that I think people are like, oh, it was well, the you're worst possible combination. Yes, yeah. they're losing and they're moving. Yes, yeah. So I mean, who's gonna take? Like yeah. obviously, like 
Sean Everett's going to go to Georgia. Like, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was really, it was, it was funny because both Jess and I came out of it being like, you know, first of all, we really liked Jeff a lot. He like, was yeah. really he was, a likable guy. He was very, yeah. very generous with his time with us. Yeah. And that, like, you can't say enough about that as a video producer and yeah. a writer. Like, well, also, you know, he like, was very, very we nice. are, we're, we're two young women doing this job and he never once um, condescended to us, treated us as though we didn't know. Like, he assumed that we, that our football yeah. knowledge was yeah. as good as the top guy in the business. Yeah, and, and you, you can't, can't say, say that. About <laughs> you that. can't say that about every person we've yeah. had to deal with yeah. in this job, obviously. So we both really, we were like, okay, cool. Um, but also we came out of it being like, whoa, you know, I don't want to say, like, we were very aware and skeptical where we had to be and, and didn't want the wool pulled over our eyes, but we right. did come out of it being like, I I can 100% see where this guy is coming from. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, here's the thing. You know, it's all about results. And yeah. he wasn't getting the results. And as much as the fair thing would have been to give him 2017, I think it was not pragmatic to do so. I don't think there's any world in which he gets... 26. And like, I don't it's know. A, it's a win-based yeah. business. Are the Rams in the Super Bowl this year if he's still the head coach? Probably not. I, I don't, don't know. Think so, no. Yeah. I, I think that there is something to be said for shaking up leadership and giving a fresh, you know, especially yeah. with a guy like McVeigh who's so detail-oriented and yeah. so like, you know, he and he and hungry in a way. I think. The crazy thing about McVeigh is that I think, at least in my opinion, he's ridiculously detail-oriented, but. The reason the players like that is that if the players come to him with a good idea, he's going to do it. It's yeah. like the thing I wrote about the other day when Jared Goff comes to him and says, look, I know on this play that we're going to have one by three formation. Brandon Cook's here, three receivers there. You want Cooks to run an in-cut and to go into the formation because you think that all the traffic inside, one of those four receivers is going to be standing there wide open. They can't cover them all. I want to take him outside because I feel like I can throw the ball against single coverage, which is what he'll be in better than I can throw it in layered coverage or I might have to throw over somebody. And, and McVay did not want to do that. But Goff said, I'd feel a lot better if I did it. And he called that play. Wow. And it worked. And my, my only point about that is, so now, after that, that might have been the best throw that Goff made all day. So now, after that, don't you think that Goff will say to McVeigh if McVeigh is insistent on something, maybe I should do it his way. He let me do this way when I said this is good. So now I we have this thing where we can go back and forth. It's like Peyton and Breeze, you know, where they sit down on Saturday night. And I saw yeah. this where Drew Breeze basically went over this game plan and took out 42 plays. These are the plays I want. Really? These are, and, he, and he put little, and Sean Payton on his big board, okay, he put little black a black dot next to every one of the plays that read. And when we were walking out of the meeting that night, I said, "How many of those will you call tomorrow?" He goes, "I try to call every one." Wow. Because I like them, and what's as important, he likes them. And and yeah. I think that there's a like when I started covering football, there was very little democracy. Yeah. It was an autocratic business. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's really improved about football. Sean McVay, his big play in high school football, he wins a quarterfinal state tournament game 
by sort of overruling the head coach and say, I want to run a naked bootleg. We, we're not strong enough to pound it in against this team. Yeah. And the coach doesn't want to do it, but he says, okay, I'll do it. And he goes, that taught me a lot. It taught me, listen to the players. They're out there. Yeah. They see it. They feel it. And that's why I think players love playing for McVay because he's a, yeah, he does a democratic to process. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that there's something to be said in leadership in general in listening to the people who are on the ground doing the thing that you are guiding them to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think that any, you know, even personally, any of the issues that I have run into in my career have been because my reality and and either a supervisor or a boss's reality have not synced up. Yeah. yeah definitely. Smart. And and there's a lot to be said for being a head coach standing on the sidelines and not seeing what the quarterback's seeing and yeah. you have to listen to them. And there's definitely coaches in the NFL who don't and you can tell. Yeah. Totally. So it's, it's important to pay attention to what your guys are saying yeah. actually on the field for the snap. So, yeah. yeah. Good for him. Well, Peter, this has been the best. You should come back it's on fun. Come we back on most time. valuable podcast anytime yeah. you want. Yeah. We got to do it live. It sounds okay. so much it sounds so much better live. Podcast? Than, yeah, than on the phone. I'm yeah. not a big fan oh, of Oh, yes, phone. absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah, we, I have yeah. to do it a lot because you just do. And I, But I really like sitting there with somebody and talking to them. Well, so do we. Same. And we're all in New York, so yeah. Yeah. we'll just... We'll do it sometime. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Well, Good. thanks so much. Thank you. You're so welcome. Much. Thank yeah. you, guys. Have a great week. Thank you. All right. Time for our buddy, Harry Lyles. Jess, who are we sitting here with? We're here with Harry Lyles of SB Nation. Oh, our favorite Harry. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm partial to Harry Potter also. Okay. Fair. I was going to say in the Harry Power rankings, at the very worst, I'm second behind Potter. What about Harry Styles? I'm oh, above him too. Lyles is above Styles. People tweet, Just barely. People tweet at you in mistake instead of Harry Styles, oh, yeah. right? Do they? The request section of my Twitter DM is hilarious, and it has many, many languages too. My question is, like, <laughs> do people not know the difference between an L and an ST? Like, I mean, I have no idea. There's also been, like, white dads who are like, I told my daughter that, you, you know, Harry Styles liked my tweet, and unfortunately it was just you. Oh, that's really uh. harsh. And I'm like, well, buddy... You know, fuck you too. <laughs> um, thank you for swearing on this podcast yeah, because I, mean, I I'm worse than you. You a uh, little bit. You are kind of taking some of the heat off of me right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. How is your Super Bowl week going? It's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, other than like all the festivities and stuff, you know, we all like football here, but I also get to see my friends for my Yay. favorite podcast. Oh, oh Harry, you're too, you're too sweet. Deb says um, hi and she loves you and she needs to go to a car. So, for fun fact, for those of you who don't know this because this is a little inside baseball. Um, my mom and Harry are both love car washes love more than anything. And since I don't have a car and well, live in New you York. You do too. You went yes. on your first date in a car wash. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I love car washes, but since I don't have a car, they're the ones who whenever they go to a car wash send me videos all of going through the car wash. Yep. And I just love it. So Many it's really pictures, kind. Of videos, all that good stuff. And you know what? Speaking of Deb, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm very quick to listen to the podcast every week. Uh-huh. I felt empty a little bit this week without oh, Deb. I know. You know sorry. what was strange though? Yeah. We couldn't figure out how to get Aunt Deb to. Sorry. We couldn't wow. figure out how to get Deb to call in, but we did figure out how to get Aunt Shara to call in. I know. See, that's a thing. That yeah. doesn't make sense because. Yeah. It maybe, was strange. Well, it's also weird because like Deb's pretty technologically savvy. Yeah. And Aunt Shara has no idea what she's doing, so I don't know but how we got around. But she knows people and has that bread. You know what I mean? 
That's, that's true. true. That yeah, that's true. She has a lot of money from the Steven so. Tyler divorce. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, He's yeah. still paying rolling in those. You should try to divorce <laughs> Steven Tyler. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> Actually, we should all be so lucky. We should all be so lucky to be divorced from I mean, uh, Harry, you have a very cool story that came out yesterday that we would love Thursday. to... Thursday. On Thursday, yeah. This yeah. is Friday. Um, big fan of Harry Lyle, Charlotte Wilder. Big, <laughs> me? Oh, yeah. Big Harry Lyle fan. Um, also Harry Styles. <laughs> I do love Harry and Styles. And Harry Potter. And Harry Potter. Um, Harry Connick you... Jr. is okay. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I don't know what he looks like, for the record. What's oh, he you do? know. He's like some he... famous guy that, like, 50-year-old women love. He sings elevator music. Well, I guess there are no words in elevator. Harry Belafonte. Oh, that's I a, love that's a good Harry. Harry Belafonte. There's so many good Harrys. No. No, no idea. What? You don't know who he is? No. A- I mean, I know the name. Like, see, like this is like, I don't know. It's one of these people, like, I know the name. Yeah. Right? Rings a bell. Absolutely. Could not tell you what these people look wow. like. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Harry Connick Jr. just looks like an old white dude. Yeah. So I've got a picture of him in my, in my head. Picture, <laughs> picture Rod Stewart and, like, you're halfway there. I don't know what Rod Stewart uh, looks like either. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bob Joby. <laughs> that is Bob Joby. Bob Joby. For those keeping track um, at home. So, Harry, tell <clears> us about this story you wrote this week um, that I think people will be very interested in that we will retweet from the Most Valuable Podcast. I'll yes. do that. Um, so, yeah, basically I wrote about... Uh, the last Super Bowl Mm -hmm. and uh, what Ray Lewis was involved in in Buckhead where two people were stabbed to death um, and basically how that changed the nightlife there Um, and so I talked to guys like Jermaine Dupree uh, Frank Ski who's a big radio host here Mm -hmm. um, and a bunch of other like party promoters from like you know the mid to late 90s and early 2000s Um, and basically just how like you know there was some segregation in the area but it was still like the nightlife hub for Atlanta mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like how that deteriorated over the years um, and Ray Lewis was actually kind of like the tipping point really a little bit but it wasn't like the last straw for people to be like okay we've got to just gentrify the shit out of this place really yeah so there was one other thing that oh. you'll be able to read in the story that I actually did not know about until I started talking to the people for this. Oh, oh, I'm I'm we haven't read the story now. yet, right. and I want to know so what it is. So there's a little tease, you know? Insider uh, secret. It's only Wednesday as we record this. Yeah, so, so. the story hasn't published yet. Uh, yeah. But when you listen to it, it will have been published. And I will have, we both will have we read will it by know, then. We'll be we very will know excited what the about secret it. Is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Wow, curveball. Oh, it'll it'll be interesting. Okay. I mean, it's it's you could, you'd find it online easily. Like oh, It's not okay. a secret, but... A lot of people just don't know about it, so well, it's cool. I'm my interest is peaked. Seriously. So the last time the Super Bowl was here in Atlanta, uh, there was an ice storm and there was a murder. Yes. The night before the Two game. Murders. Two murders. It was yes. twenty years ago or nineteen years ago? Nineteen. 19. But twenty is a better looking number, you know. Right. That's why I was. We should have like waited this. a year to put the Super Bowl back in Atlanta, so you could have had the twenty year anniversary and the like. Yeah. You know, people like twenty twenty. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Damn, they really messed right. up. Um. So, yeah, so that's one thing that I didn't really know about until this week and people are starting to talk about now is that Ray Lewis um, was involved in the situation. Mm-hmm. The, the white suit went missing. Yep. There was and blood in his... And he was wearing a white mink coat, yes. right? Yes. Uh, and a Harry Stetson hat, that. I believe, right? Yes. Um, and the, the limousine, they found blood from one of the victims in his limo. Um, and he, he was pled guilty to obstruction of justice, Correct. correct. Um, but no one was ever charged with the murders to this day. Yeah. And the two victims are actually buried about 20 miles away from Canton, which is where Ray Lewis was enshrined into the Hall of Fame this past fall. Yeah. And so the victims' families are still, you know, seeking justice. And, um, yeah, so this, this, this week in Atlanta has, I think, rehashed a lot of 
It's brought a lot of stuff up. Right. But one thing that I didn't know about was that Buckhead used to be this crazy party mm-hmm. scene, which is what you were yeah. writing about, basically. And honestly, I didn't know the depth of it until I started talking to people about it. The because party I'm scene, just depth like, of the party scene. I'm like, y'all are just some old heads that, you know, <laughs> just think your day was better than ours and stuff like that. But it's, like, actually, like, real. So the, like, parties all night? Like, what are we... T- like? So, like, the, um, like, last call and, like, closing times used to be, like, 4 a.m. That's crazy. Ooh. And eventually they changed, like, last call to 2.30. Um, and actually, this week, they actually signed legislation so that everybody can stay open until 4 a.m. Oh. Just for the week Just or for the forever? Week. Holy shit. Just Seriously? for the week, yeah. So a lot of people are thinking, oh, you know, old Buckhead nightlife coming back. And that's not exactly the case. But, I mean, you know, that three to four, you know. That's nothing good that's happens when, after the That's <laughs> one of my, my dad's favorite mottos is nothing good happens after midnight. He always yeah. says that. It's a classic. It is a classic. I'd say nothing good happens after, like, 1.30 or 2. I me. thought you were going to say like 10.30. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like for me now, nothing <laughs> yeah. good happens after 10. Cause for I'm me like, now, like nothing good happens. <laughs> I, I'm on the, yeah, same, honestly. It's so sad. That's my motto. Nothing good happens. <laughs> nothing good happens. Um, End of sentence. Realistic. So um, talking to Jermaine Dupri, that's pretty cool. He was cool. And honestly, like Jazzy Faye, I also talked to him. He's, you know, producer from here, uh-huh. uh, worked with Sierra a lot. He was like really like Russell laid Wilson's back, wife. Yeah. and like we're ta- it's like kind of like weird because we were talking about like you know these stabbings and stuff. It's like a very like serious thing, right? Of while course. also like reminiscing on like old stuff. So he's like, oh yeah, you know uh, those two people got stabbed. Like Ray Lewis was there. He's like, man, but I rolled out of there, you know, in a Bentley, a green Bentley, sitting on twenty two player, and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, but we're like, cool. So back to the murders. Yes. Sounds, yes. <laughs> sounds like a fun night and for I'm you. Like, yeah, and I'm like, so like you know what were you doing when? Like that, because he was there. That's like crazy. he was at the club when that That's happened. That's so crazy. And he was like, "Man, you know, we were just trying to find some chicks and see what the flavor was." Oh. I was like, "Oh." <laughs> I hope you quoted that in your That's story. In there. See what the had, flavor yeah. was. When, yeah. See Mango what the Jewel Pod was. was the flavor. Yes, the flavor. <laughs> wow. So I was like, all right. Well, aside from this story you have coming out, what are you most psyched for for the next few days? I am so excited to be at the actual Super Bowl. Yeah, I, st- I still, like, I mean, like, we do this for a living, and it's, like, not a big deal to any of us, really, but this is, like, my first one. And just thinking of, like, where I was, like, even just a few years ago, I'm like, yeah. holy shit. Right. Like, I'm covering a Super Bowl. This is, like, actually happening. Like, I've had to call my mom a couple of times. I'm like, I'm fucking nervous. Oh. Like, it's crazy. But, I mean, like, it'll be cool. Um <gasps> I, I agree. Awesome. I feel like there's no other sports thing in the United States that compares to the Super Bowl. Because, like, yeah. the NBA Finals are a big deal, but there's seven games. The Stanley Cup Finals mm-hmm. are a big deal, but there's seven of them. Like, World Series, they go on forever, right. and there are a million of them. Yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's no one event that I think, I mean, maybe, like, the Kentucky Derby's close, but there's not a yeah. ton of yeah. sporting events that really capture everyone's attention. I mean, it's going to be the most watched TV show of the mm-hmm. entire year. Yeah, this is yeah. like the event in right. the United States every single year. I have to say, so I've been to, I went to the one in Houston three years ago. Mm-hmm. I wasn't at the one last year, but the, the energy in the building at the actual Super Bowl is one of the coolest things I have ever, and like, I don't think I will ever not find this incredibly cool you know like walking around even being on radio row being like we are a part of this that it's a dream yeah it's really cool it It is is cool that is interesting you say that though because we've talked a lot about how the super bowl is so 
expensive to go to. Like yeah. we were looking at StubHub the other night, and the cheapest ticket was like four grand. So yeah. not a lot of fans get to go. Nope. No, and that's what that's what actually is kind of puzzling to me. And maybe it'll be different this year, but like the Super Bowl is definitely an event that's extremely corporate. You know, like mm-hmm. you buy out suites, you get tickets, you're super rich if you go to this thing, or you save for the years to be right. able to go as a fan. So it isn't for fans. It isn't fan centric. your point, actually, I don't think people realize because actually I didn't until I saw there's like a a chart where it like shows you the percentages of like where the tickets go mm-hmm. yeah and like 25% like goes to the NFL and their corporate partners like, yeah that's, that's a, it's very most you know, of the tickets these are for like people who I think only in the league. I think only 10% of tickets go to like Patriots season tickets holders right. and then 10% goes to Rams so it is holders. weird that like the energy is still that exciting yeah. and maybe that just speaks to the magnitude of the I think event so, yeah. that it's like yeah. no even if you're not here for the thing that you should be here for you're still like whoa I'm mm. here yeah <laughs> And if you're spending like five grand on a ticket, I'm pretty sure you're probably gonna yell for your team too. That's yeah. true. You know, get yeah. your money's worth. You better yeah. you better be excited. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what's it like having the Super Bowl in your hometown? Because Harry Harry lives here. It's cool. Um yeah. it's like weird because we always thought we were going to get another one before now. Yeah. Um, but you know, like with the ice storm that you know, both ice storms that we had last time and just it's it's different because you know we've hosted like final fours mm-hmm. and things right. like that um so it's not like we don't get you know no big sporting events here right. um but just to have this one again is like crazy and like when i'm like walking downtown and you know they've got all the pepsi stuff yeah. up and, yeah you know like the bud light whatever guy the on night the projected building. Under the, right. the loser like dilly dilly guy right it's yeah. just like crazy like, is it-, it feels so unreal and honestly like it's just it's a different energy around here yeah. it's not like it's like ever dead or anything like that right Atlanta's a pretty massive right. city yeah 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 but I mean super cliche but it's like there's just like something like floating around here in the air where it's yeah. like wow okay like we're this like this is happening yeah this week, you know? it's almost like you took you overlaid something mm-hmm. a different yeah. experience yeah. over the place that you live all the time yeah. and it's like a different place it's just it's like weird I can't describe it I love that. it's pretty cool yeah I wonder if the Super Bowl will ever go to Chicago <laughs> I don't know. It's negative 50 there today with the wind chill, so um, until um, they get a dome. Right, they're going to have to put a big old tent over Soldier Well, I was thinking about, I was thinking about, like, would the, would, you know, Foxborough, would Gillette ever get one? And, you know, being from there, I can't imagine a world in which that's fun for anybody. Because, like, everything would have to be yeah. in downtown Boston, which is close enough together that it could actually be really fun if it weren't freezing cold. But then you'd have to bus everyone right. out, like, two hours in traffic oh yikes so probably not we're gonna get to a point like way down in the future we'll all be dead but um where (laughs) like all of these stadiums are gonna be like retractable roofs yeah i hope so i mean every stadium is gonna be i hate indoor stadiums we talk about this all the time i don't know i kind of like them i hate but i mean it's nice for big events it's nice for things like this to have like like for the yeah. elements and everything but like for Definitely. a real good They're football practical. experience i want the open air yeah i'm like i think i'm like with that until like the super bowl because if like i've got yeah. the best teams i don't want weather to be a factor i like i don't care i get that you know Definitely. I actually think that's a but very like snow reasonable games are like take. Shit, <laughs> no, they're, so. I think they're definitely practical. I still don't like them. <laughs> right, right. Like, the story I, of my life. I understand it. why it has to be this way, and I hate it. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I don't even know like why they gave Mercedes-Benz Stadium a roof, like because it's been open like twice. Really? Yeah. Right. Same with the festival or the um, University of Phoenix Stadium right. in Glendale, where they have the festival and like the, yeah. the Cardinals play. They ne- like they never open it when it's yeah. below when like can. seventy. <laughs> Which is not cold. Gotta keep these rich folks, you know, air conditioned. Yeah, everyone needs to be. <laughs> right. at the They're in their air conditioned boxes anyway. They have their stupid little suites anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what? 
Oh, man. Well, Harry, always a pleasure. Please come back and join us again. I will. I would love that. I will that. never turn down an invitation. You are oh. MVP's MVP. He is, yeah, he's our MVP, MVP. You're our OG the... MVP, MVP. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know, I'll always be a fan. So. Oh, bless you. you. Bless your heart. And the non, the non, uh, and wait, way. before we go, are we doing yeah. a car wash this week? We gotta do a car wash. Oh this hell week. yeah, let's Justin go. Justin's go driving, wash. and then me and Charlotte gotta sit in the back seat. Perfect. Just, you know. I love it. I don't. We can reenact my seventh grade car wash date. Yeah. yeah totally. Oh. So, so you guys are gonna play Monopoly? No, after? we're not gonna touch each other and sit in the no, back seat. No. Are you gonna play Monopoly? <laughs> oh yeah, and we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna okay. play Monopoly I didn't, first. I didn't mean. And then sit in the back yeah. seat. I'm sure there's an app for that. We could just do it on the phone or something like that. Words with friends. Words with friends. Yeah, we do words with friends. Perfect. Shout out Timo. This is not an ad. My friend Timo, I'm outing him as the one that I went to the car wash with because he's a good friend and we hang out in New York and I always. If you're listening, send us a tweet. Yeah. Let us know what your experience tweet. was in the car wash. He doesn't tweet. He's smart. too smart to tweet. That is smart. <laughs> well, thank All you, right. Harry. Go listen to uh, or go read Harry's story. Yeah, we'll RT that. We'll it, RT it. it. Yeah. yeah. Please read. read Pay it. my bills. Yeah. <laughs> Pay his bills. Do it. Do it. Now. Thank you guys for listening. This has been a great episode, and we're really excited. Anytime we can share a little bit of our, our experience with... Yeah with people who aren't here and kind of give you guys a flavor well, for just, uh, what's going on. I feel like now that we know how to use this little portable recorder guy, we should just take Dude, this with us yes. like when we're on the road for the show or just and sort of like put these out because it's super fun to be able to, you know, we love coming to you once a week with our fun little format we've come up with, but it's also great to be like, hey, this is what we're doing. Take the show on the road. Yeah. We joked last week about, I guess earlier this week, about how if this episode made it out, it would be a miracle because we don't know how to use this recorder. The recorder's very easy to use, as it turns out. Well, so I'm going to stop you right there because you're the one who's been doing it. So for all, like, I I trust you completely with this thing. I think if I were in charge of it, we might have lost a few tracks. I, so, I appreciate that. Yeah. I have to say, as a video producer, um, I probably should know how to figure this <laughs> this tiny, simple recorder out. So That's true. I'm That's glad true. that I haven't failed this yet. Me too. Me I'm, too. This, really is why, this is why every podcast needs a producer. Thank you for your service. <laughs> I just I just saluted. Yeah. I just saluted. All right, guys. Uh, we will be back with you this coming Tuesday. We're going to have a full rundown of our week. We've had some crazy stuff happen that we haven't talked talk to you about yeah, yet. Yeah, and we'll have some athlete interviews and... And a story involving Lil John and me. <laughs> so uh, we will we will have that for you soon. Let's eat this week. Woo!